These tools are for you to use. These tools are for you to use. Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, conversations with artists and activists about death and life. I am your host. My name is Dave Marr. I am a comedian who survived a coma and won't shut up about it. My guest this week is Nick Ward, Nicholas Ward. He is an author a storyteller, a theater artist. He's written a book called All Who Belong May Enter. It is a book of essays about whiteness, about masculinity, about living in Chicago, about the restaurant industry, and about his sort of grappling with these things and and his relationship to his privilege and questioning it. It's a great book. I, you know, he and I are similar ages, similar demographics, so it felt like reading the high school yearbook for me a little bit, but I think you will really enjoy it. It is from Autumn House Press. You can find all the information to get the book at the links in the show notes. You can also find the link to my Patreon. That is the way to make my dream of doing this as my living come true. And also get a bunch of stuff for yourself in the process, including the after shows that I do with Claire Favret and Megan Strickland. I released a couple of those last week in lieu of a regular episode. All of those go up on the Patreon. So you go to patreon.com slash Dave Marr, and you can get tons of bonus content. And even as a Pigeon Level subscriber, get your name shouted out on the podcast. Those subscribers are Katie Llewellyn, Kurt Chang, Susie Carroll, and Fred Fidoa. So thanks to them. Thank you to you for listening. If you like the show, share it. Now, Enjoy my conversation with Nick Ward. I grab your whip and take it back to Chi-Town. When I'm in Chi-Town, I treat it like Why don't you tell me what do you hope happens when you die? Honestly, nothing. You hope nothing. Yeah, I hope... Well, what I'm about to say, I think then I will probably immediately contradict. But um, I hope that, you know, there's that phrase in sports when an athlete after a, you know, a game might say like, I left it all out on the court. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think there's a, I think there's a real desire for me to feel like I left it all out on the court and then just sort of close my eyes and that's it. But the only way that I would know that I close my eyes and that's it is if there's something after that to reflect upon. Right. Right. Cause the, cause the athlete saying they left it all out on the field is usually saying that into a microphone at a press conference or that's to right. a reporter. Yeah. It's like you literally didn't leave your life on the field. Right. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think there's like, so there's this, um, there's this, uh, kind of craft-based thing that we we work with um, when I work with Second Story called Narrative Distance, which is basically like the distance between who you are when you wrote the story versus who you were when you lived the story and how that changes over time. Um, so you might tell a story uh, or I might tell a story about something that happened to me 15 years ago, but I'm going to tell that in 15 years and the story is going to be different because my understanding of it will have changed. 
Um, there's no narrative distance in my scenario of nothing happens, and yet I'm still yearning for that distance. Right, 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 right. The the closest I feel like you get is is you know in the ideal fading away on a hospital bed scenario. It's it's a split second of like oh, left it all out on the field. You know what I mean? Yep. And let's be honest, that's probably not going to happen. Sure. Right. 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 You know. So is so then to contradict yourself. Do you want to stand behind a contradiction and be like, so I actually do hope for a sort of uh, post-game press conference scenario, or are you like, no, I'll find a way to be good with nothing? I think I think I have to find a way to be good with nothing because I, and and maybe this is quite frankly me continuing to contradict myself, but maybe this is me continuing to lean into just some of the ways that I've always felt about afterlife in the world, particularly as it relates to like the religious practice that I grew up with. And so it's, it's like, you know, having that firm line of like, no, I said I was this and this is what this means. And therefore I cannot if I wish for an afterlife, that means I'm a Christian and that's not possible, Nicholas. Okay. Um, okay. But that's the so wait. Was it, context. are you, did you grow up Catholic? I did not. I grew up Methodist. Oh, okay. Which is like yeah. two steps, two steps down, right? Episcopal Depending. and then Methodist, right? <laughs> Depends on who you ask, I suppose. I, in terms of, uh, in terms of formality, I feel like. It, I think it depends on the, I think it depends on the culture of the church. Um, Methodists mm. can be famously teetotalers. Um, mm. The people at my parents' church uh, like to party. Okay. Okay. So cool, cool. yeah, but the the services themselves are relatively um, High church. Yeah, but short. You know, everybody like you got to get in and out in an hour. That's, That's good. Just, it's That's unacceptable good. to be. Yeah, 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 yeah. So now, so now. As no longer religious, you feel the uh, dogmatic impulse to uphold nice. your sort of non-religious status. Is that what you're saying? Interesting use of dog- dogmatic there. Um, I, I mean, think it's it, appropriate, right? No, it is. It is appropriate. I just yeah, really yeah. appreciated the um, the the needling. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not intentionally <laughs> um i think yeah i think a little bit because well i think what it is is uh, associating heavily the idea of the afterlife with the idea of religion when those mm-hmm. two things can and often are for many people quite decoupled from each other yeah right it yeah it is wild that you know, because there's so many ideas of you can end up in an afterlife that has another afterlife, you know, right. and where you still don't know anything. You know? That's right. Um, yeah. Or just like a series of doors that you walk it, through. Yeah. 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 But so I guess, it, my, I mean, my sort of deeper question is, does the loss of consciousness, does it fuck you up? The idea 
of 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 not being aware to be of of not being aware you left it all out on the field. Yeah. It does fuck you up. It does. Okay. Okay. I also it also fucks me up a little bit because I feel like at least and I'll try not to make everything I say go back to the book that I wrote, but um I read the whole thing, so I I, I did the homework, you know. I've heard, I've heard you (laughs) (laughs) heard about you in books. (laughs) No, um I have written in the book that this seminal moment in my life caused me to try to live my life in as emotional, vulnerable, heightened, and tender of a way every day. And so part of it, and I think this relates to that loss of consciousness Wait, a little which bit. which was the seminal moment? Why am I... Why am I oh, crazy? the Paul and Patty story? Yes. Okay. The story about my friend. You. Yes, yeah, I get it. Um, yeah, who yeah, passed yeah. away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and for a second I was like, Wait, that's in the book, right? No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. It is in the book. There's yeah. just, uh, yeah. So the, so that moment, I've written that moment that I must live in this vulnerable, tender, heightened way all the time. It's on paper. Mm. And what fucks me up is feeling like, well, if I'm not doing it literally every second, then I failed, which is an impossibility. Um, but I feel that way a little bit about, you know, if I say publicly to you, uh, I want to leave it all out on the court and don't uphold that standard at all times, then, then have I, then am I, then am I constantly failing every second of the day? Sure. Sure. But that wouldn't, Right. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess it's sort of related because my I've been thinking about this a little bit recently. Revisiting, uh, you know, thinking about performing live again and and revisiting my last show to to take it to a sort of different place and uh, and I you know I kind of feel like I watch too much TV not to believe in an afterlife. Like I need there to be something else because I've wasted too much time to stand behind like a carpe diem philosophy. <laughs> you know I what mean, I mean? Yes. Yes. Like, I, like, yes. is that kind of what you're saying? Oh, I guess a little bit. Yeah. But yeah. like, yeah, I'm, <laughs> yeah. You're like, damn, I said I was going to leave it all on the court. But instead, I just like watch sports for eight hours one Saturday. Yeah, right. Like the bench is really comfortable. You right. know, they have like warmed seats on this this bench. Right. It's great. Um, maybe maybe really what I what I want, Dave, is just to have a post game press conference when I've won. You know, that um, could be something like a very brief afterlife. Like, yeah. Just like just. 15 minutes of you kind of recapping things yeah. and uh yeah and then like who the would that be for? right yeah yeah yeah. but who, who would, would that be, be for? for yeah if you did have a if you did have a post-life press conference <laughs> where you got to kind of self-mythologize a bit what would you say and who would you be saying it to 
Wow. I hadn't thought about that. Pretty good question. Huh? It is, yeah, it's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think, <laughs> I think it's, it's easy to imagine saying that to every single person I've ever met in my whole entire life. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. easy to imagine saying that or, or, or making that offering person, every single person I, that I've ever met in my entire life, you are welcome to attend the Nicholas Ward post-game post-life mm-hmm. press conference. Mm-hmm. If you so choose. Um, and then I guess if that's the setup, then it's less a summary of life and more of a I don't know. I want to say like opportunity for wisdom, but like mm. you know, you're passing wisdom on to these people? I, maybe, but that's that seems self-centered well i thought you were gonna say it was like a thank you situation i think that too thank you as well but but also maybe it's uh maybe it's just an opportunity to tell a story one last time and that story is the previous x amount of years Mm -hmm. um you know i don't know i feel i kind of feel the best when i'm able to tell a story somehow weirdly doesn't feel like I don't feel self-indulgent or self-centered in part because um, usually in, in telling stories, like somebody is actually there to watch you. Right. And so you're, you're not being self-centered if somebody is asking you to tell them the story. Right. Um, And that's sort of where I feel like I'm at my best. And so maybe it's, it's the last opportunity to do the thing that I think that I'm the best at. Let's do funeral planning. Okay. Let's plan what what funeral. do you, yeah. Have you, have you thought about it? What would it be? Lay it out for me. I think I want it to be small. I think, I think there's a tendency to want to be like, let's have a big fucking party and everyone's invited and we're going to get, you know, like real fucked up. Um, and like, you know, I, I enjoy, I, I enjoy partying with a lot of people, but I think my, my most favorite moments are with a small cohort. And so I think it's like, you know, maybe it's a, maybe it's a campfire, um, outside or, or inside. I don't know. It's my funeral. I, I suppose I could set a building on fire. Sure. Um, but I think it's, it's a small collection of people who all maybe know each other very well at this point. I'm assuming and hoping that it will be, uh, you know, at least another 40 years from now. And so maybe if the people who are my closest associates now are also are still alive and maybe I'm the first to go, let's Mm -hmm. say, let's assume I'm the first to go. Okay. Okay. Um, it's the, the seven or eight people that I love the most. Um, and they're, children or grandchildren if they have any um you know like reminiscing stories reminiscing and telling stories i mean 
do you imagine a if it's if it's just a campfire situation is there uh where where's your body at this point on the campfire no, I don't know. No, I don't know. <laughs> I think that would make the sharing stories a little difficult. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got to turn. We got to turn next body. Yeah. Right. 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 It would smell like shit too. It would be awful. It would be yeah. not fun. Yeah. Um, no, I think the the a thing that I've always imagined or and thought of is like, um, you know, I'm I'm way more interested in my body being useful in some way than in just like going in the ground intact. And so mm-hmm. if that's, if it's like, quite frankly, if I've just passed away and it's often a research laboratory somewhere and somebody can use whatever they need, like that would be fine by me. That would be great. Okay. And yeah. no, but isn't there, they still dispose of those bodies in some yeah, way. Yeah, of course. I mean, I would hope so. I think so. There's got to be cremains left or something. Yeah, I think. Yeah, right? so then there's there's the cremains. Are you interested in a sprinkle situation, or you want to go in a mausoleum somewhere, or in <laughs> in in the dishes of the worst restaurant bosses in, in oh. their, shift, their shift meals, putting the pepper shaker. Well, I you know I can't you know I the shift meal is the best part of working in a restaurant. Sure, sure. I can't, you know, I can't disrespect my my colleagues like that. Okay. Um, but certainly, like the <laughs> so bad. But like, yeah, if we're if we're if we're using my cremains to take it out on my enemies, then uh-huh. it, it's which I'm not saying we are necessarily fair, 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 fair as fair, an option. Fair. Yeah. Then. I nothing think legally binding, nothing <laughs> legally binding here. Um, then I think it has to come into play with like the restaurant owners and glad handing investors dinner. Um, mm, okay. cause gotcha, gotcha. By, by and large. And again, like I've had some really good experiences working in restaurants. I've also had all of the bad experiences that everybody's had working in restaurants by and large, even the best experiences, the, investors and the partners are the people you always hate to see. Um, and that is a situation that I will never get over. Um, and it's yeah. So yeah, I, I can't, I can't think of a lot of like really great interactions I've had with rich people. That's a good, that's a good question. Yeah. I mean, even think, yeah, because even I'm some too of the- aware of them as rich, and I'm like, "Fuck you for even existing." Yeah, uh, yeah. Because even the people that I know who are like maybe some sort of like like second or third cousins of mine who are pretty well off, like okay. they're not even close to being that level of invest yeah. invest in yeah. a restaurant rich. You know, right, like right, they're in right. real good shape. Don't get me wrong, but they're not, I'm not like, talking about someone with a nice house. I'm talking yeah. about yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um yeah, I haven't really either. Um and I get super rankled by our I mean as everybody does our the constant um fealty to them. Um and so yeah. All right. So that's one option for the cremains. Okay, okay. Um, the other the other option is to fashion an urn uh in the 
style of um, Prince's symbol. Okay. Um, and like lay it in a forest somewhere for someone to find. Wait, are you saying literally Prince's symbol or like your own symbol that, that borrows from the creativity of Prince's symbol? Are you like a big Prince guy? I'm a huge Prince fan. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was thinking Prince's symbol, but now I like your idea better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to have your own symbol, dude. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good point. I don't know. There's something sort of. I feel like Prince would approve of people being inspired by his yeah. strangeness and just laying, you know, iconography around sort of obscurely in the woods. Yeah, somewhere. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think he would be as into someone just using his symbol, though. That's a very good point, considering how often he um, rejected requests for people to cover his songs. Well, and kind of the whole point of the symbol was intellectual copyright. (laughs) To rip off the symbol is is a real irony. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, insulted Prince publicly. That's terrible. I feel so bad. Okay, so... We're we're at a point in the show okay. where where it gets complicated for you specifically. Okay. Be- because of the fact that you've written this book yes. and that I've read this whole book. Yes. And as someone who's heard the show, you know I'm about to ask you to I relive do. one memory. I do. Um I'm I'm not gonna put any boundaries around it. If you wanna if you wanna um cannibalized material you're welcome to um and like use a story but if you if if the afterlife existed so that one feature was you had to choose one memory like a door a room to walk into whenever you wanted to just fully relive not have any other memories erased but this one is more vivid more deeper and 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 you're really living in it more than any others what memory would that be we're gonna look up the book I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna remind myself of what I wrote. <laughs> I I actually don't know that this is in the book, but it is related to a character in the book, um, who is Patty Patty Wheeler, who's my best friend mm-hmm. from Michigan, and. There are so many moments of us and the way that we were able to continue our friendship over the last 17 years, 16 years, 15, however long um, Paul's passed away. And, but there was a particular. is a mutual friend of yours and was her fiance. Yes. Sorry. I should say that. No, 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 no. It's cool. I mean, we don't have to like you know, give too much away, but very, yeah. a very fucking meaningful, deeply uh, sad would be an understatement sort of uh, yeah. ex- experience that you both shared. We did. We did. Um, although um, uh, an experience that, that certainly we both lived um, and lived it in very different ways and um, we're able to rebuild our friendship in the wake of, of that um and there are so many moments of us just being 
together and being still full adults, but also like 17 um, and talking shit and being ourselves. And, but a particular moment um, happened actually this past summer. Um, And it was really, it was a culmination in many ways of, and a celebration of the 15th year anniversary of Paul's death. And Patty had invited a friend um, of ours who, who we grew up with um, who lives in Memphis to come up to Michigan and stay at her place in Detroit. And it sort of blossomed from there. Um, then like Paul's brother came over from Ann Arbor and Patty was like, can you come? And I was like, I don't know. I got something going on. And then I was like, wait a minute. This feels like an occasion that I need to be there for. Um, and so Detroit, it is in Detroit. Yeah. Okay, cool. So everyone's getting sort of called. Everyone is, yeah, 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 like a, like a, you know, like getting the, the band back together. Yeah, 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 yeah. The signal is being sent out. Um, and, and then an old friend, Kurt, um, also came. And Kurt is actually also in the book as well. Um, though our story uh, from being 16 years old was like us basically fighting each other and not being mm-hmm. friends anymore. Um, but that is merely one part of our story. Um, and so everybody came over and met at Patty's house. And honestly, we, we sat around all day and we had, had some beers, had a ton of food. And I brought some old photos that I had still stashed away of us at, you know, 15, 16, 17. And I had made a playlist for the occasion actually. Whoa. So we just listened to that all day. What was the um, title of the playlist? The title of the playlist is the same title of the piece in the book, which is Paul and Patty and me. And okay. so it's really, it's really just a, uh, it's like as many of the songs as I could think of from. Yeah. What's on it? What's on the oh, playlist? Gosh, there's so much on the playlist. I can get a deep, uh, we can do a deep dive here. If you give me like, yeah, two yeah, things. yeah. Hell yeah. But like, there's a lot of, um, Here we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's like some Stooges. Okay. There's the MC5. There's a lot of like 70s New York punk rock. That was sort of very much our jam. There's also some Jeff Buckley. There's a lot of Prince. Um, there's some Bjork, some Tom Waits, some Handsome Boy Modeling School. Okay. Um, there's a little bit of the like... Uh, late 80s early 90s sort of alt punk stuff so like dinosaur jr and sonic youth sure, and the pixies sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah um yeah wow so you guys were like some... pretty pretty fucking advanced cool kids and in... <laughs> we kind of were yeah kind yeah. of yeah mine I mean... mine is mine would be almost exclusively um third wave ska and pop oh. punk and uh yeah, yeah. we went away we went away from that um yeah and a lot of that was guided by paul a lot of that was like mm. you know this was a dude who i mean this was like the 90s um and so it was you know the the, the kind of person who would have um you know just like stacks of those music magazines that were like 
print. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the, yeah, they were like newsprint um, that you could get at any oh, sort of record store. Sure, sure. Um, but you could only get them at certain record stores, right? You couldn't get them at the at the you know the franchise spots. You had to get them right. at the cool places. Right, right, um, right. So yeah, it was a lot of that, and um, and really just like going to various record stores around the the suburbs outside Detroit to try to find you know like great five dollars cds and yeah. and then listening to them in the car on the way home um which is also a memory i would want to relive but for for the purposes of having to choose one yeah um, so you're in the backyard you're you're yeah. you're everyone's around there gathered. yeah everyone's around there gathered um and then i like just decided and later patty was like i knew you were going to do this i just decided to leave at a very particular time when I knew driving back home from Detroit to Farmington, which is about 35, 40 minutes. Um, I knew I would hit the sunset just right so that all the buildings along um, the highway are all these like Midwest modern buildings and that the sun, the sunset would just like shimmer off of them while I was listening to this playlist. Okay. Um, and that like, that was an absolutely sort of perfect moment. It was also a thing where I was very clearly reliving and a particular kind of, um, particular kind of moment that I have supreme nostalgia for and actively choosing to replicate it. Yeah, right, right, right. Well, because it's an incepted memory in a way, because it's a mm-hmm. memory about memories. Um, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, reliving. It sounds like because it sounds like it was definitely about. I mean, was ex- was it explicitly like, "Hey, we are remembering Paul today," or did or was that more of a subtextual sort of thing? Definitely more subtextual. There wasn't there wasn't a, a ritualized moment, um, and but there were still a lot of stories and reminiscences and and also like you know s- similar amounts of shit talking and yeah and, okay because it's because yeah. it's got the element of a lot of people you love around yeah. Yeah. but it's also remembering this other person that you love and it's remembering it sounds as much as it is about him it's remembering this like time in your life absolutely it's remembering the time and also remembering those moments where you know you just it's it's hard to what am i trying to say it's hard to get back having that that much time you know, it's hard to get back having a le- like having a fully leisurely day yeah. <laughs> where you can just like be with people, mm-hmm. um, and you know you can't still couldn't really do that. Um, you know, like everybody there has, except for except for myself and and Patty, like they have families and and kids. <laughs> you know, have to hey, we got to go because of the. And it's like obviously um, there are all of these circumstances where um, life obligations are much more adult but the thing that we're also remembering is being children yeah what that was like and you know being able to play a little bit 
what did when when you say Patty said she knew you would do the thing you did? Was it leaving at that time to see the shimmering on the buildings, or what? What was it? She knew you would leave at the time that you did, or what was it that she knew? I don't know. I just think I I st- stood up and she was like. I don't know. I think she knew that I was going to leave before it got dark because I like needed to have a private moment. Mm, okay. Maybe that's what it was. Is it, is it something about knowing that you would need, that you would be engineering some moment for yourself? Probably. I mean, it's I am very writerly. In yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm very dramatic, you know, and she <laughs> knows me very well. Yeah. So was that was that a thing that you had done before where you're like, yeah, I did that thing with the sunset in the buildings or like, was that a specific? No, but I, I don't think that was a specific thing that I had done before, but it is very, to me, it feels very much of a place. Um, and I, you know, I'm, I don't know the suburbs outside of any other major city mm-hmm. in the Midwest. I know, you know, I have, have seen sort of, you know, similar styles of buildings like driving no hair. Um, but for me, it feels very much like this is, this is my childhood life. Um, and I can see it when I'm driving along this particular stretch of highway. So what's your coma? A moment where you were, you know, one person before and a, and a different person after. I don't want to make any assumptions. So yeah. 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 I, in some ways I'm always living various comas, if that makes any sense. Yeah, totally. You know? Um, you're, you're constantly in crisis and you need massive amounts of help. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I can relate. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) or also that like, let me back up. Um, I think the most staying on the same sort of journey with some of the same people Mm-hmm. Um, I would probably say if I'm really being honest, um, that the, my coma is, um, this moment where my best friend, um, from high school, Paul, um, died by suicide 15 years ago, 16 years ago at this point. Um, and what it taught me about how to live a life that really centered other people. I think prior to that, I was, um, in some ways, unsure if it really, what it meant to be a friend, what it meant to be a person that other people loved and relied on. Because I think I thought like, well, you just go through, you go through chunks of life and you meet people and then they fall away and then you never see them again and who cares? Um, <laughs> and I think which certainly happens, yeah. but 
I, I think living in that emotional terrain is really cynical. Um, and I think that's what this particular moment where my friend who had, who passed away, who I hadn't seen in uh, a number of years, um, who had made some overtures, though not many, but some overtures to, to, uh, reignite our friendship that I, some of which I declined. Um, actually like all of which I basically declined, um, suddenly wasn't there anymore and was somebody who had been an incredibly important person in my young life at the time. And so I, I think that moment pushed me away from emotional cynicism. And because, so the thing that it, the, the thing you felt convicted by that turned you outward was some version of, oh, I failed this guy. And I, I could have been there for him. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I certainly think, I certainly think that's part of it. I definitely remember at the time feeling, um, I think a lot of people feel this when they experience somebody close to them who, who dies from suicide. Um, this feeling of, I've, I failed this person. I could have been more present and that's why they're gone. I don't think that's true. Um, so now that I think about it, it's more like I was failing myself. You know, I was preventing myself from uh, a full, loving, tender, <laughs> emotional life. You know, I was like cutting myself off. From by that. not having this person in your life. By not having this person in my life, and by also maybe thinking of people as potentially disposable. Um, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. Right. Well, and, and by... because Okay, is this because if you assume disposability, it also kind of assumes that they'll always be there? Yeah, it's maybe. Like they're, dis they're disposable because I could pick them back up and, and start again whenever. Cause in a yeah. way disposability and someone being gone, it's like, well, if they're disposable, who cares if they're gone? And it's right. like, well, you probably care because you actually didn't want them gone. You were just taking for granted some element. Is that, am I, am I getting in the right ballpark? I think it's, I, th I think it's possible. I'm also a thing that I'm struggling with now is how is um, also thinking about, if that's something that we understand now having lived with uh, social media platforms for so long, where everybody is sort of, we're, we're able to really find everybody. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but I wonder, and I truly don't know. I wonder if in the past before these, before um, the availability of finding everybody all the time was prominent. I wonder if it was like true disposability. I don't really know, to be honest with you. I, I don't actually know if I know how to answer your question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Totally. So it turned you outward, uh, living a life like, I think you said centered around other people, right? I don't know if it's centered around other people because as thinkers, we've, sure. we've realized, you know, can be a bit narcissistic, but. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> 
No. Um, well, what happened? Forget the label of it. How did you change? Wow. I don't actually know if I know how I changed physically. You know, I don't know if I can say, oh, I started to do this, these particular actions. Yeah, yeah. But I do think that I sought connection with other people, whether that's coworkers or new friends. I think I started seeking real connection with other people in a way that I hadn't before that were outside of my small circle of friends. I think I started seeking the world, you know, beyond a small group of people um, and really found that what I love actually is building relationships with as many people as possible. Um, Like you have that story in the book that's about where you're like living on your own for the first time and you're, uh, doing that. I mean, very familiar to me thing of like just sitting around and being like, why isn't anyone calling me? Yeah. Uh, uh, so, so, so it sounds like, um, Paul's death r- took, took you to a place of maybe not that you never did that again, but that you at least were like, well, I know why no one's calling me. And I know that this actually isn't an other people issue. It's not another people issue, you know, but it's easy to see that because we are the main character of our own story. Um, it's really easy to see, to, to feel that everybody hates you and that everybody mm-hmm. doesn't like you. I mean, I still think, um, you know, my anxiety makes it, makes it so in my mind frequently now still, but I think it's, it's important to remember to, build and find that tether with other people rather than just relying on a natural, you're never going to, there's never going to be a natural tether. Like the world is too complicated. Uh, We're all living really challenging lives um, in a variety of ways with a variety of um, outcomes based on all of the intersections and identities that we hold. So the natural, the naturalness of a tether to other people isn't going to exist. You actually have to go out and create relationships with people. Well, it also, it sounds like you're talking about adult friendship as well. Yeah. Because the natural, the natural tethers are school, your neighborhood, the dorm uh, room. The dorm room. Yeah. I mean, I guess as adults, like the office. Um, yeah. But, but other than that, yeah. I mean, it's fucking impossible to make adult friends. Um, effectively not not actually which is what you're speaking to yeah but the what you're up against with with adult friends is not only all of those fucking literal calendar obstacles but even just the amount of times recently fortunately the new friends like this for me have been women which to play to the stereotype i've been more easily been able to be like I'm so glad that we're friends that we're spending time together. But, but in general, the, the obstacle of like two adults being like, I, I really like you, man. Like, yeah, like that sort of thing, you know, to be like, 
can we keep hanging out? I feel like <laughs> friends, you know? I know. You're, that's so interesting. I mean, that is very much like if we really want to dig into masculinity, it's very, um, it feels very hard to make friends. Um, but it's also, it also feels really hard to sustain friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, one of the most beautiful things, and look, I don't think anything was beautiful about the pandemic, not really. But, and I don't want to use this as a as a, a way to, you know, justify that. So what I'm, but what I'm saying is that something beautiful did happen for me in the last 15 months, which is that like my, my friends and I, who I have um, known for 20 years, like my best, my best male friends, um, like basically every Friday night we have gotten together and like sat outside, you know, for a few hours. Um, And that's, it's the most, we've seen each other because we all went to college together. It's the most we've seen each other since college. And I think that helped us. It helped us clarify the importance of these men in my life. Yeah. And is it, I mean, not to tug the boat too much back to the sort of central question here, but is that something that you could foresee not being the case um, without this moment of reckoning with Paul's death? Yeah, I could see that being possible. That I could you, see that. That you were, would not be as invested in maintaining those relationships. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess what we're also getting at is that when large-scale moments happen, whether they're large-scale personal moments or large-scale world moments, um, there is potentially an opportunity to reevaluate how we are living our lives. And you get to choose um, what you're going to do about that. And I think that's partially what these moments have created as an opportunity to choose what is important. And there are many things that are important to me, right? There are many things along the avenues of um, racial and social justice, um, reading as many books as I possibly can. (laughs) You know, like there are many things that are important to me. Um, One of the things that I realized in the last, in the last year and some change and one of the things that I realized when uh, when Paul passed away is that the people that I have loved for, for most of my life are the people that I will continue to love for most of my life. And those people are the most important things to me. And I don't want to sideline them anymore. That is the show. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked it, tell a friend. Tell them right now. Just take a screenshot of 
whatever app you're using and say, hey, I think you'll, uh, I think you'll like this and, and a reason why they'd like it. Or write a rating in the Apple Podcasts app. Give it, give it a review. I know Spotify is a little different. But if you really want to support me, go to patreon.com slash Dave Marr. Also check out all of Nick's stuff at the links in the show notes. And until next week, remember, you are a mist. Have faith. You are human. Only human. And human beings, they do miracles.